0: Hello and welcome to us. Weirdos have to stick together. I'm your host, Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal on the Boiling Isles. It's Quill. How was your week, Quill?
1: I'm pretty good. All things considered, like I only have one more day at my current job. Like it's been pretty much dead there the last couple days. Like I, I <laughs> literally spent like God, how much time did I spent there? I spent like maybe like an hour and fifteen minutes of the day past lunch, just like talking to like two people that I'm pretty friendly with at work just basically like talking about like moving to connecticut and like why i'm leaving and everything it's just like getting in those last little like oh yeah sorry to see you go but also i'm like yep but uh unfortunately the south is too hot and not progressive enough so (laughs) that
0: was so weird and i left my last job because I, i worked as a pool cleaner right so I was just on the truck on the route all day. I never actually saw any of my coworkers. So on the oh. last few days, they were all like texting me, telling me how much they were going to miss me. And I'm, I haven't talked to you for five years. Yeah, Why are you like, going miss me?
1: Yeah, it is It is kind of that same situation. Because like I've mentioned in the past, like I've been for the last two years, basically on rotation at my job. So like I'm in for two weeks and out for two weeks as the supervisor's in. So like, yeah. I was even thinking of this just a little while ago of like, how many times have I actually seen her in person since that started? I'm like, four maybe five times (laughs) in the last two years and it's like like i was like because like every time before i go out on rotation i usually would be like sending like a like weekly like note email to her to just be like hey here's what's been going on in the mayor room that might bleed into next week or just like a little heads up about something like i had that like written up mostly just be like hey there's like some construction going on one of the entrances just to let you know ahead of time before monday so you don't get stuck by that and then have to back up and turn around to get to a different entrance or whatever (laughs) <laughs> and, like, the last thing in the note is basically, like, me being, like, hey, yeah, I just wanted to, like, take the moment real quick to, like, say I appreciate having worked with you the last two years. Well, in the back of my mind, I'm, like, I haven't seen her much in the last two years. The only communication <laughs> I really had with her is, like, over email, really, like this. So I'm just, like, it's a bit strange because it's, like, that contrasted with the fact that I'm, like, hanging around, like, for, like, a half hour near the security office as I'm, like, picking up some envelopes to create labels for the ship out just talking to the security lady because he's like oh yeah i'm gonna miss you because like god you're the you're the co-worker sucks compared to you not the supervisor the other guy we have that's been there for like less than half a year it just fucking sucks in his job and (laughs) be like yeah uh, you know maybe you'll get somebody else hired and maybe they'll kick him out or whatever i don't know (laughs) (laughs) after tomorrow it's not my job it's not my it's not my concern yeah
0: there is a person that that cool job that i still talk to and he did inform me a few days after i left that they had hired a lesbian to replace me because they needed to keep the queer quotient stable so
1: <laughs> we can only afford one <laughs> we, we lost our one we gotta find another
0: <laughs> yes it's so good to know that i was the diversity hire <laughs> yeah like I mean, even though it, I it, wasn't trans when I got hired there, <laughs> <laughs> it is it is
1: pretty funny also because like when, when I came out to my job half a year ago because of my workplace accident where I fell on my butt bone and all, like when I mentioned that to some people, like they were like, "Yeah, I think you're like the only non-binary person here at this office of like two thousand people." And I'm like cool that's not at all intimidating a little bit
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah good and
0: and great yeah i know i was not a small company i think we had seven total employees yeah
1: well i mean like that's that's just the office i work at i don't work for them i work for like a different company that's like more across the entire u.s and it's like basically like in our operation in our mailroom there's only the three of us so it's like Really, it's, like, yeah, I don't I don't know how many people work for my actual employer overall, but it's, like, in the office, in regular times, yeah, the, their offices fit, like, 3,000 people or 2,000 or whatever it was. And it's, like, usually over the last few years, there's been maybe, like, 30 people there because it's really just, like, some security people, some facilities people, and, like, the cafeteria people because, like, they – because of, like, the amount of people that have to necessarily be there all the time just to make sure that, like, the building is secure and, like, shipments happen they have the cafeteria staff in just to make us, like, free breakfast and lunch. Which, I'm still surprised they've done that for two fucking years straight. <laughs> and that's, like, the thing I'm going to miss the most, because, like, today they made, like, a chili bowl with, like, a ch- like a beef chili with bread bowl. And I'm like, dang, I'm going to, like, I was talking to about this with the security lady in particular, where I'm like, yeah, I've been kind of babied a lot of my job the last two years, because I'm, out on rotation every two weeks, I get paid while I'm out because I'm technically on call. I'm not actually on like PTO or anything. Yeah. And while I'm here, I get free breakfast and lunch. <laughs> so I'm like, dang, if I find another job, that's probably most, like those two things are most likely not going to happen elsewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a hard standard to live up to. <laughs>
1: yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, hey, considering like the few places I've interviewed with over the phone or through Zoom i Have been like, yeah, and the starting pay would be like fourteen to seventeen dollars an hour, depending on experience. I'm like, okay, this kind of uh, this kind of bounces it out. Considering I've only ever gotten one raise of like thirty six cents at my job.
0: Oh, over, really? Over twenty eight months of being there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize your pay was so low there. That's
1: yeah, it started at twelve. It's uh, not not gone up much.
0: <laughs> Jeez, I was making sixteen cleaning pools, which yeah. ain't great, but like
1: better than better than mayor and stuff yeah yeah i don't know it's i mean by the time that i got that job i was like pretty sure that long term like in the next year or so after that i was gonna leave the state so i was just like you know just not really looking much and then like back in like maybe like october 2020 where i was like yeah i'm gonna move in like spring 2022 like, after this next year in my apartment, I'm like, yeah, it's I might as well just stay where I am rather than try to find some new job and only be there for, like, eight months or so before I leave, so... Yeah, that's
0: reasonable. Looks yeah. better on a resume, too.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, this is, like, my longest-term job now, actually, which is not great to sound like that, but, like, most of that 28 months is basically me there by myself holding down the fort, so that at least still looks good, too.
0: Listen, I've had... The past two jobs I've had, I was there for five years each, so it's not better. Trust me.
1: <laughs> eh, fair. I mean, I guess it kind of boils down to what the job actually is. Because at least, like, at, at least in my place, like, you know, I'm there running everything by myself, and it's like, I mean, considering like the various things we have in the mayor room, like all this like expensive electronics and stuff that has been sitting in boxes for, like two years and all, and like the fact that we still have so many like COVID test kits there, and I've not stolen anything. <laughs> they're pretty much being like, yeah, no, Quill is pretty reliable. They get stuck in traffic sometimes because the drive that they have to get to and from work is shit, but hey, if you're five <laughs> minutes late to work, it's okay as long as you actually get the job done. Because, like, nothing else happens at my job for, like, the first, like, three hours, Basically, Like, UPS shows up around, like, 9.30 or 10. And then there's kind of, like, maybe USPS shows up around 11, but, like, nobody really shows up till like, around 1, like, in the afternoon, which is when, like, FedEx ground and FedEx shows up
2: right
1: and also nobody really sends like requests for shipments to send packages out till around there too so it's like okay the last two and a half hours of the day or so are always the busiest because <laughs> you always get those same few assholes that are like it's three thirty. can i ship out this and get it done and get it sent out for today and i'm like i'll try my best but the pickups are at four and you waited till you gave me half hour to do it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take long to make a label because I've been there for so long. It's so, like I can make a label in like five minutes. It's really more if they need me to put the box together, where it's like, oh god, I'd have to like c- climb up onto this freaking cabinet or not cabinet. This like countertop to actually reach where the boxes are and have to fold them up and like tape them up and put wrapping paper in there because nobody ever keeps their original like laptop or monitor boxes, so they always need me to put ones together for them. Yeah,
2: it's it's. I mean,
1: it's not a hard job, it's just that at times it's just, like, a lot of stuff can stack up at the same time, and it's like, oh boy, I gotta get this done before this cutoff period. (laughs) So,
0: whatever. Yeah, sounds good. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to cover this week?
1: Nah, I mean, I was gonna also ask, like, how your week has been going.
0: Pretty chill, um... Well, too much going on up uh, chill Canada, obviously, but uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I did have my first in-person class, which was terrifying in the lead-up, but fine in the moment. Nobody really wanted to be there, and that helped, I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if, if everybody's having a miserable time, you feel like everybody's there gonna be, like, actually taking precautions and be distanced and wear a mask and everything,
2: exactly,
0: right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Nobody seems, like, amped to be in person, which makes me feel a lot better about the possibility that one of them might secretly be a super spreader.
1: <laughs> oh, Oh God, you're right. <laughs> hey, at least, hey, at the least, it can't be much worse than the, uh, the NYPD doing a big super spreader event where they're all cramped together there in protest of, like, I think a soldier like an odd soldier. I, I mean, think like an that officer a died. Yeah. yeah, that was a funeral, but also no but no, none no, of no, them were wearing masks and they were all standing next to each other and like definitely giving the crowd glares of like what are you can do about it, motherfucker. And it's like cool, great, awesome. You can do a funeral where you can actually still keep everybody safe and they were choosing not to.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah. I mean you're but... able to, I mean Literally have seen people be able to do weddings safely during the pandemic. I have went to one myself. <laughs> so, I mean, admittedly, that was outside with only, like, 15 people there. But still, it's possible. <laughs> Can't say anybody else besides me actually wore a fucking mask,
2: though. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird, in a way, because I've never... I've never gone to a school this big before, so the campus is just enormous. And... Just being there for the first time on my first night of class is just well not my first night, my fourth night of class. And seeing all these people that I knew in the Zoom meetings and not being able to figure out who they are because they have masks on now is Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, weird, but cool.
1: Yeah. Like and... it's it's that's kinda of something that I'm like a little bit thankful for because it's like yeah transitioning during the pandemic has actually been a little easier than usual just because i can at least hive my face (laughs) by a mask yeah so it's just like oh yeah nobody can tell if i forgot that to charge my uh electric razor overnight so this way i could actually shave in the morning because nobody sees my face anyway whoops but yeah uh,
2: there's
0: another queer person in this class with me Mm -hmm. and she came up to me afterwards and said that she did not realize i had a side shave because on zoom it's covered by the big headphones oh right yeah
1: (laughs) No, whenever Absolutely. I'm like whenever I'm on like a video call like that, I'm just constantly like being very self conscious about what my hair looks like because by that point it's usually like the end of the day, like when, when we've been doing like all these like roommate interviews and whatnot yeah. where it's like, Oh right. It, you can definitely tell how crazy of a day I've had based on how crazy my hair looks. Not to say my hair doesn't look crazy like as soon as I get out of the shower or wake up in the morning, but it's like <laughs> if it's like two or three in the afternoon and you can see my hair is so disheveled It's like, dang, Quilla's had a crazy day at work, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, see, I got the good hair jeans, so it doesn't matter how disheveled I look, it's hot.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, my my hair doesn't look like a mess usually, it's just, like, because once it gets a certain length, it starts curling back upward, especially in the back. So it's, like, you know, like, everything else on, like, the sides usually is, like, keeps relatively in check. Like, I kind of need to, like, do a little bit of work on the right side a little bit just because I usually sleep on my right side. So it's like that kind of sometimes gets a little bit disheveled when I wake up in the morning. Usually it's fine, but it's like it's really just the back being a bit weird because also I don't have a hand mirror, so I can't easily trim it as much to make it look nice. So I've kind of just been letting it do its own thing for like half a year now. (laughs) But it's also because like eventually I do want to get it professionally styled and dyed, so I am doing it kind of go crazy. Well,
0: that's fine i like to do my own hair but you know whatever works best for you
1: yeah god i'm just now realizing it's been officially two years and one month to be precise from when i had my last actual haircut like i did a chair (laughs) that was january 3rd of 2020
0: jesus christ i don't remember when i did my side shave but before that it was 17 years since i'd had a haircut so
2: oh (laughs) Jesus.
1: I only don't, I don't remember the date exactly because, like, the day before, then my sister and I tried to go out to dinner for my birthday, but the restaurant was closed because of New Year's. Still, I guess it just goes on the second. And I just remembered then I was like, I need a haircut, so I went the next day.
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
0: The uh, the only other thing I really did this week was I started playing Star Wars Squadrons, which is a a flight simulator game. The thing I've mostly learned is that I'm not a good pilot. <laughs> yeah so i'm I'm playing it in v r and it turns out I have very bad spatial awareness when flying in a three sixty space so
1: ah uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like nobody really paid much attention to that game i I have one friend in like one of my other discords who got like super into it and got really good at it, but I feel like that game kind of fell off pretty quickly.
0: Listen, it's really good. I'm just bad at it <laughs> yeah. It's like me it's also, like it's things like, happen that you don't necessarily expect to happen.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like uh, back when I played uh, Everspace 2 when it released in early access, where it's like, oh yeah, it's really fun. I just am not good at flight games, so it's like, oh right, I need to like bleed shots because this isn't like Halo where the bullets just travel with no drop distance. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I guess there's some guns in Halo that do like that big like spike like launcher weapon that they use in infinite. Yeah. Like kind of like 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 yeah like kind of like the brute equivalent of like a sniper rifle kind of thing where it fires out like a nice harpoon or something
2: uh, if if i
0: can one of the things i'm referring to so at the end of the first of two well it's one mission but it's broken into two parts
2: mm-hmm. and at
0: the end of the second part you're a rebel pilot and you've destroyed all the enemy tie fighters and you need to get away and so it gives you a nav point and when you hit that nav point you're going to go into hyperspace cool so i was flying to the nav point and then a star destroyer opened up with its turbo lasers and destroyed me instantly <laughs> which is not a thing that i can avoid because it's behind me and x-wings do not have rear view mirrors
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess like none of the vehicles in star wars really have rear view mirrors but they also have like tactical computers to accommodate for that stuff <laughs>
0: You would think, but they do not. <laughs> you have, like, a, a sonar, but it's not very
2: good.
1: <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, I've never really, like, gotten into, like, any of those, like, more, like, semi flight games. Like, I, 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 I like watching them at times. Like, I, I really liked watching Vinny and uh, Drew play them on Giant Bomb back when they still did Flight Club. Mm-hmm. but i'm just like yeah they're, they're not for me they're 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 something i get a lot of fun out of watching especially because it's like oh yeah i'm watching drew get progressively better at it especially because in the early days he just sucks at it <laughs> <laughs> like god i just always reminded of like the part where he's just like explaining stuff to Vinny while they sit in the cockpit on the ground and like they hear an explosion because somebody raised by them and just blew up on their wings <laughs> <laughs> Or like okay. when he's flying and like Vinny dares him to open the cockpit and that just makes the entire interior get all dirtied up somehow. I I I know there's like some like reasoning for it. And I don't know what it actually is like the aeronautic like the aeronautical terminology or whatever. And like <laughs> he he's like so confused where he is that he loses like where he actually is and he's going right into the ground on a nose dive and actually see it and pull up and, and too late and just crash and die.
0: What <laughs> <laughs> really gets me about it is that um. So the right stick acts just like it would in a like an RPG game, a twin stick RPG. It uh-huh. Controls where you move, right? Yeah. But the left stick does not. The left stick is your acceleration and your rolling. Oh, so right,
1: so, so it's like uh, it's like the throttle, basically.
0: Yeah, it's your throttle and it's your barrel rolls. Mm-hmm. So I keep trying to turn in the way that I would in, like, a a standard twin-stick RPG and, like, look off to the right or whatever. And then I just do a bunch of barrel rolls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that's because, like, your way of looking to the right is only moving your real head, right? (laughs) Because you have it on VR
0: uh yes to some degree but that depends because for when you're flying a tie fighter they have solid panel walls on the sides oh right yeah so you have to move the entire yeah they don't
1: have like the whole canopy right they're just
0: like it's just that one window in front of you yeah it's very bad to fly you have no (laughs) peripherals
1: i mean hey that's probably why tie fighters though are just constantly like eating shit in those movies like tie (laughs) fighters look cool but they also are just so impractical when you really think about it (laughs) yeah like, like not at all in the aer- not like aer- uh, aerodynamic design. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's like, is it really aerodynamic when it's in space, there's no air. so
0: well, <laughs> oh, but they turn on a dime though.
1: <laughs> I guess I don't I don't I don't know. Star Wars and Star Wars, I don't care about the science. <laughs> Fair <laughs> I enough. I don't care about why it is that people can use their minds to make people like do what they want to do or float objects or just jump really good or whatever they have um... they freaking laser swords whatever <laughs> i don't i don't i try not to engage with as much star wars as possible i guess like i watched mandalorian season one and two but also i know season like mandalorian is starting to get more into here's more bigger connected stuff and i'm like uh maybe no i don't need luke skywalker showing up in this please
0: <laughs> but yeah so that's star wars i'm sorry i <laughs> I really try not to be, but I am a Star Wars person. No matter how hard I try not to be.
2: <laughs> Fair, yeah.
1: I mean, aside from Mando season two, the most frequent, the most recent Star Wars anything I've seen was fucking Rise of Skywalker, which is still the most recent movie I've seen in theaters. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, and I'm still, like, he's still, like, again, like, over two years later, I'm like, is that going to be the last movie I ever saw in theaters? Because, God, I don't know when I would actually be comfortable being in movie theater again, even once COVID might finally end. Because I'm like, I would just still be like, this is too many people in the same crowded space. And also, movie theaters kind of just suck, if I'm being no. honest. I, I, If I'm watching a movie I want it to be, like, with my headphones on and have it be quiet. And having a bunch of people around with, like, kids or phones going off or talking and everything that kind of just detracts from it. Because, like, I mean, the only, like, like even before then, like, the only movies I was really going to see on, like, around, like, opening day was, like, big stuff like that. Or, like, fucking, to my detriment here, Endgame. Same fucking year <laughs> also did not go well. But also that was because that movie was too fucking long. It's, like, three hours. <laughs>
0: Oh, like, but you that... see, I saw Endgame in 4DX, so... Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, thanks.
0: <laughs> if you can imagine that whole movie, but also the chair is rumbling and moving. Oh, God,
1: no, I, I would be nauseous the entire time, even more so than I was watching it with just how callous they treat all the female characters. To the part <laughs> where They have like, hey, we have our ladies rocket moment here, we have the big scene of them all, and it's like, you have not earned this. These are not people. These are basically not characters, I'm sorry. <laughs> Will that series ever have like it's like Game of Thrones kind of moment of everybody collectively deciding to not give a shit anymore? Because I don't think so at this point. It will. I hope. I hope so, but I also don't have confidence in it. Considering they still have movies planned out through like twenty twenty six or whatever the fuck at this point.
0: I feel like Eternals was a pretty good view of that because nobody liked Eternals is the thing. Very yeah. It enormous amounts of money.
1: Yeah. 't even know what the mo- what I don't even know what the next one is.
0: Uh, neither do I actually.
1: Okay, um, yeah we, we should probably get into it. it. It's gonna be a little bit weird formatting here considering since we did three last week, it's now me going first since I'm still doing the even numbered episodes, but we'll get used to it. it's only going to be a few weeks too before we get to season two anyway. <laughs> yep. Yes, uh, well, finally, again, 40 minutes in, Escape from the Palaceman opens on Eda and Luce watching King, air quotes, play at the grounds, which I like that I took the notes of what the sleigh ground sign said, because it says it is funded by the Bonesboro Department of Parks and Rec, with rec spelled W-R-E-C-K. <laughs> I never had noticed that before, but now that I'm actually, like, pausing these episodes every couple seconds to jot down stuff, I didn't.
0: Oh, I know. It takes so much longer to watch an episode when you're taking
1: it, of... it It super does. Like It's actually kind of liberating now since I'm going first, because it's like, oh, I get the big episode out of the way, and then I can just cruise through the follow-up. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. It's a little harder going the opposite way. But yeah. But uh, by that, uh, we of course mean that he's believing that the top of the slide is like a seat of power for the playground, and that he can rule from there and strike back against any potential usurpers, which are just children. Uh, I don't know if this little gross boy has a name. I think in the in the wiki, it just lists him as usurper. So I guess I'll just call him (laughs) usurper. But we've seen him before. He was like in I think he was in the background of the stadium scene early in convention. And he was also in the uh, scene in episode three when we saw the kitty class when Ida ran out looking through the windows very quickly.
0: Yeah, he's also in the episode I'm going to cover. So.
1: Oh, was he? Uh, yeah, he sure is. I don't remember seeing him in that one. But also, I wasn't paying as much attention, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> no. He he shows up with his drippy nose and looks gross and everything, and tells King that the slide is for sliding, not standing, and basically just straight up pushes him down the slide, which I feel like is uh, would terrify me if I was a parent watching a kid at the playground get thrown down the slide.
0: I mean, if he was pushed down the slide in a normal way, sure, fine. But he does not push down the slide in a normal way. He hits yeah, his back he, three times. He,
1: yeah, he kind of goes head first a bit. Uh, but yeah, this prompts King to run over to Ida and demand that she blow him up. She refuses, saying that Albert has better things to do, which in this case is being uh, just pet by Ida in a very cute manner. <laughs> yeah, Albert is adorable.
0: I like that he purrs. Yeah, 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 I kind of forgot the
1: leap Bird, because, like, honestly speaking, sometimes I would skip this episode, not as much as, like, the next one, because, like, I mean, that episode is is kind of more about the B-plot, I feel, like, the A-plot of King and Luz in that one is actually not as interesting, but we'll get there when we get that. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Yes, uh, Ida asks, or, sorry, Luz asks Ida how she got him, to which she replies, saying that she made him from the branch of an ancient tree, which will later on learn in Season 2 must have been wood, which I will also point out is contradictory to what she said in an earlier episode where she said that witches' staffs are given by school. So,
0: again, um, I I think that... Maybe the staff was.
1: Yeah, I I I feel like that might be it, or again, like, it might be, like, some Palastrom are just available at school, but you can have, like, a stronger bond with one you carve yourself, and it'd be stronger as a result.
0: Well, that is what they'll say later, but like... I also say that this is the first time bat queen has brought palismans to try and meet students so
1: yeah by that adoption system so like i feel like it might just be a little bit of a different thing where maybe the school has some but they just don't have as many because of the bathroom would shortage going that on yeah and so it's like oh we found this other we found this alternative of like instead of going with the school ones or trying to get your own wood but yeah yeah after declaring them bonded for life and that she thoroughly destroyed anyone who heard him, which of course is a bit foreshadowing for later, King is, uh, air quotes, tagged by the child hard enough to fall over because the kid thinks he's just like trying to play with King, as we'll find out that's a ruse because this kid is actually kind of a shit. <laughs> and this makes King do his uh, squeak of rage and run off to try to get vengeance, while Eda just laughs at the squeak of rage, saying he's like a tiny key, to- key- uh, Tiny key, why can't I say tiny tea kettle? God, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, it's it's kind of it's kind of getting a bit late. Whatever. Uh, yeah, while she's laughing, uh, Luz spots a mark on Albert's foot, which he explains is interlocked, which means he only fits on either staff. But while she explains this, she suffers the flash of the curse and passes out for a bit. When she comes to, uh, Luz and Ida hurry back off to the Owl House as she knows she needs the elixir real quick. And King you know, says that his feud with the child is not over yet and recoils when the child hugs him, saying that they should play again real soon. Which, me personally, having been a teacher of 3 to 12 year olds, very much feel King going like, no, get away, gross! Because, god, child, little children are very gross. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't have anything really against kids myself, and like, I'm like, I don't know if I'd want kids at all if I potentially got the chance, but god, they are sticky and gross. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> but yeah, when they get home, uh, Ida rests on the couch and waves off Lucy's offer to get the elixir for her. This, of course, is going to be a very terrible decision on her part, and Ida needs to learn to actually accept help from other people. Which, unfortunately, she won't get to for like about an entire season from now. <laughs> Luce offers to stay home and take care of her, but Ida tells her that while well, she can take care of herself just fine, also not great, because <laughs> uh, she's had the curse longer than Luz has been alive, she also has no idea how she got it, but just basically says she does not care because she's fine. Again, Eda, please. <laughs> uh, Luce, <laughs> said, Luce heads off to the grudgery match with Gus and Willow. Of Hexad versus Glandis, which is the first time we get one of the schools' names. It's we got like the hint of the other school based on last episode with Mithralmew alluding to right. it by saying he went to a different school, but I don't think I don't remember him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't name Glandis in that episode. No,
2: but he definitely also, didn't.
1: Yeah, but we also won't find out until like midway through season two. A that he actually went to Glandis as a whole because like, look, I'm trying to remember when it is that we actually learn about Saint Epiderm. I think that's done until season two as well. I believe so. Yeah, and also, I don't think it's mentioned in the rest of the season. But yeah, when she gets there, she realizes that her uh, cat hoodie is actually the Glandes Colors, so she raids the school stores lost or not the school, store, the lost and found for some school clothes, which that's kind of theft loose. You're taking other people's items in the lost and found and not returning them.
0: Kind of that's a moral gray area.
1: Yeah, it belongs to somebody. Just because it's not claimed just because it's gone unclaimed, doesn't mean it's just up for grabs. Mm. Also, I I hate her line of where mouthguards go to retire. That is gross. <laughs> that is awful. It's true though. I mean, I've never had a mouthguard, so I can't say, but it just sounded gross.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you not like in my elementary schools they would if stuff was in the lost and found for more than a month and they would just put it up for grabs and whoever wanted it could take it.
1: Uh, honestly, I don't know. Cause I never lost anything at school that need to go to the lost and
0: found. Well, neither did I, but I was always at those free stuff sales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if it's been a month and it's been unclaimed, I guess it kind of makes sense. But like, this doesn't ask how long it's been there. or If it is up for grabs, she just takes that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, uh basically her little detour to go get clothes causing them to all miss the flying monster boat thing. I guess it's a kind of demon, honestly speaking. Yeah, it's kind uh, of like a long boat, but I'll lie. <laughs> yeah, kinda. I'm pretty. I, I, I want to say this is the same boat we see in episode eighteen. I think. I think it's the same one that takes them to the emperor's castle. But I'm not sure. I'll have to look at that closely when we get to that episode. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Gus and Willow stayed behind because they didn't want to leave, or rather, Willow didn't want to leave Luce behind. Gus was willing to do that, but she forced him to stay. Uh, Gus says Glandis is in the middle of the island and too far to walk, while Willow says her parents are busy working so they can't get a ride on their staff, at which point Luz is like, oh wait, I have access to the staff because I can ask Ida, and it's like, well, at least she's asking instead of just taking, but also she kind of just ends up taking anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> King goes to approach Eda with his plan to get back at the kid, which, I mean, his plan is basically just, like, fire (laughs) at the moment, but sees that she is partially transformed into the beast, because she has some level of awareness, and it's suggestible, and only one of her eyes has actually changed to the full, like, black kind of eye. This is a bit of a weird one, because, like, we never... Oh, wait, no, we do actually see Ida partially transformed again in the Season 2 finale because of, like, when Luce is able to, like, make her yeah. wake up again in her owl form. And also, I guess, Bellos does, technically does it too, but he also uses, like, magic as opposed to Lucius just being like, it's me. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of just a weird one because it's, like, we never actually have seen this before. And because, like, the last time we saw the owl bees, like, Eda was trying to kill <laughs> them, so, you yeah, know, it's, it's a bit strange. Uh King has a truly terrible idea of using Ida to get revenge on the kid at the playground. And basically when Luce comes up to try to ask for the staff to borrow it, King just is, like fully blocks her view of Owlbeast Ida by closing the door, and just tosses the staff at her, being like, Yeah, no, I'm sure it's fine and it's like Luce is like, eh, it's only for an afternoon so, I guess. <laughs> Not
0: uh It's fine. Ida gave her that staff within fifteen minutes of meeting her. I mean, yeah,
1: but that was just to get her to safety and away from, you know, all the shit. I mean, she also gave her the portal door, so I guess it was really just she didn't want it to... She knew it would fall in Bellos' hands if she left it with herself, so I guess that's why. But yeah, no, it's like, she's not asking Ida directly, so it still feels bad. <laughs> but yeah. Before he heads out, he at least has before, force to pack an elixir for his terrible little plan. Uh Luce gets back to Gus and Willow and realizes she really has no idea how to fly Albert because the only time she's flew on him without Ida is when she was desperately trying to get away from uh Warner Ref in the premiere where she was just clinging on to it for dear life. So
0: about? she does it every single episode. I've seen it
1: Well, that that's the <laughs> intro, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> if that was happening every single time that Luce was like flying every day, she's repeating a weird series of events and it's stuck in a time loop.
0: Would it be a surprise in the Boiling Isles?
1: Maybe not. I don't know. I don't think time magic exists in the Boiling Isles, but it could. Who knows? It's a very small Yeah, we still, we, still, we, still, we still don't know what the fuck is going on with uh, the other Titan corpses, so maybe the time magic exists somewhere. Who <laughs> can say? Yeah, no. Uh, basically, of course, it causes them to crash, and when they crash into the tree, it fractures Albert's head a little bit, and he just flies off in fear of Luce into a deep part of the forest as a result, because he's like, well, you hurt me, goodbye. Uh, while they go along, they come across Cat- Bat Queen's babies again, and we still have no fucking idea how Palace can reproduce. We have not <laughs> thought of anything, we're not sure. <laughs> uh yeah they're around albert who is carrying behind the bat queen herself but before we continue that we come back to the playground where king uses albic leader to scare the children away and drives the the snotty usurper off the throne but gets distracted easily when abelita starts eating the slide it's a little bit of a weird cut in there because like that scene is like maybe like a minute and then we cut right back to Luce. It's like it yeah, feels like, it feels like Yeah, it feels like the like pacing of this episode could have been done a little differently. Like maybe they could have had that have the uh the demon hunter animal control show up right after. Yeah. Not exactly. cut off. It strange, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, we go back to Luce and Bat Queen, where Bat uh, Luce tries to persuade. Uh, Bat Queen to hand back over Albert, but she refuses, saying Luce is reckless with a staff, and either was careless to just allow her staff to be taken. Bat Queen, you and I are on the same wavelength here, because, <laughs> yes. uh, Basically, she is able to telepathically communicate with Albert, which we kind of see indicated that all talisman can do? I guess? it's it's a, it's We have not seen this before, nor since, I don't think. Do uh, it at the end of the episode. Yeah, we see it at the end of the episode, but I think after this episode we never see this again. That's at fair. least, At least I don't think so, but also it's like, there haven't been many episodes after this that has a bunch of palace men in one area at the same right. time. Maybe this is how Albert convinces Ghost to let him ride on her head in the end uh, shot of Eclipse Lake. <laughs> yeah, uh... Backlead decided that Luce needs to re-earn trust by completing trials, which consist of milking a gross spider demon. Clearing a bee's nest, which is just a giant bee monster and not actually a nest. I don't know why that one is valid, because it's not actually a bee's nest, but whatever. And giving her babies a bath, which Gus and Willow are trapped in spiderwebs and can't escape this whole time, despite Gus repeatedly trying to escape and barely getting out, only to be captured again. because Gus <laughs> has no like physical powers, he just has illusions. Uh... Go back to King pissing off Owlita by king her to stop her from being in the playground. Or slinger sorry. But he fails to turn her back to her regular form when he tosses an elixir down her throat and after she gets pissed at him. The Demon Hunters from Episode 6 come by, having lost their previous jobs and now work as animal control, and they were called in to detain Owlita. it's very funny that they're back because they kind of feel like one-off characters when they were introduced in episode 6 and it's very funny that they do come back for this one time.
0: Yeah, it was... So the first time I watched the series, I wasn't doing it this frequently. I was basically waiting for the the drops. I I saw the first on youtube and then i waited until it showed up on disney plus and i had no idea who these people were when they showed up the first time
1: right because if you're watching it like as it was airing i guess or closer to it it was actually yeah. like a slower progress like I, I caught on to it immediately because like i had disney plus for like a week after mando season two finished mm-hmm. and basically uh, that all of season one was on so i watched all of it in yeah. like been, like two or three days
2: so no, i was like oh yeah no
1: a lot of stuff i caught on <laughs> the first time yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This time yeah. I get it completely, but back then I just I didn't know who these weird people were and what yeah. they were.
1: <laughs> I mean it's also only been like two weeks for us since we saw them last, so yeah, it's close yeah. enough. But yeah, uh again, they show up to detain her, but we cut right back to loose, so another weird transition. She approaches Albert to try to get him back and he's about to agree to go back home with Luce, but the bat queen stops him by wrapping up in more of those spider webs and it said challenges loose directly to an additional trial of facing herself in battle i guess <laughs> uh loose frees willow and gus when they try to like be like free us and we can help but they just get fucking ganked by bat queen's babies <laughs> so loose has to still fight bat queen by herself but while she fends her off by like literally holding up bat queen's weight with ida's staff which I guess is like, again, Luce is getting really physically strong, as we'll <laughs> see in a few weeks from now when she picked up Amity. Uh, She sees that Beck Queen also has an interlock and realizes that she's a really big palisman. Again, we're seeing transition because we go back to King, where the usurpers revealed to have been fully aware of King's beef with him and Eczemon to leave and abandon the throne to him. So King, for once, does the right thing, and does actually run off to save Ida instead, climbing into the jail cart and apologizing to her for using her for her strength and not actually thinking of her as a friend, or I guess in his case, adoptive mom, as we'll find out. But yeah, he realizes they can help Ida remember him with his raid squeal, because that will be see that just doesn't remember him. So he does the squeal again, which causes her owlbeast form to actually laugh herself back to normal. Again, kind of strange because she doesn't do that again. <laughs> or whatever.
0: Yeah, only it were that easy every time, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I guess like she had like the elixir in there and she didn't see like, that extra push, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess there's that reasoning. Yeah, uh, basically he tries to lie about how they're in the jail cell because he's like, well, he turns to the beast and then we fell in constant and woke up here. And she's like, yeah, you're full of shit, but whatever, let's get out of here. (laughs) So then instead just bust out and just walk home while the uh, animal control guys are like, hey, lady, have you seen a weird monster that looks kind of like you? (laughs) And then (laughs) it's the norm. They're
0: just so big in this scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Uh, It's big, but it's like, big enough to cover her this time. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: a little, it's a little extravagant. <laughs> yeah, we, once again, cut back from there to go back to Bat queen who admits she was once a paladin on a Grand Staff that belonged to a giant. We never also hear about giants or Grand Staffs after this episode, I think. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people thought she was, like, the paladin of the Titan, but she specifies giant and not the Titan, so I think it's different. I don't think it's the same, because also I feel like the scale of a her compared to the diamond would be really off compared to the size of talisman and
0: Witches. So that's who knows true. I mean we do see a giant.
2: So
1: Yeah that's true. There is a giant child who's like going who went onto the uh the demon boat to go see the grocery exactly, match. But like yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. We we I'm pretty sure we don't get any like callback to these at all for so far maybe I I would hope we still have time to see that actually play out in the show run we still have, but like at the same time, I feel like maybe that might have gotten pushed to the wayside considering they're short in season 3. Yeah. But she says she was discarded when she got broken. I also... I tried to look closely. I didn't see a part of back Queen that looked broken.
0: Neither did I. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It is possibly worth mentioning that she no longer talks with that heavy accent that she has. Yeah, she's like way less Italian now. <laughs> and so maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe she's got that um that condition where your accent just changes randomly.
1: Hmm. Maybe. But I feel like that's like a little bit going too far to claim she's broken and therefore not useful anymore. Yeah, no. fair. Yeah. But ever since then, she takes on herself to protect every abandoned palisman, which there are a lot of them, and I feel like, considering the palisman wood shortage, the people that tosses away their wood pets have to be a little bit less shit to them, considering that they basically are just over-harvesting the palisman wood, and as we see, like, slightly broken palismans still function like normal, for a sense purposes. Yeah. 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 I, I did actually freeze frame this, uh, like the big wide shot of the various palismen that she takes care of and compared it to the ones we see in hunting palisman and we actually do not see any of them in this shot, unfortunately. Well, that like doesn't
0: shock me, because these ones, they're all damaged. They're all broken, hurt, and the ones that we see in the episode later, they're a lot more whole, if that makes yeah,
1: sense. Yeah, I, I guess, like, uh of those, like, the one that's, like, the most slightly damaged is uh, Little Rascal, because of his eye missing. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, but also like he's like the one that we see the most out of them, even compared to uh Clover and uh Gus's unnamed chameleon. Yeah, I, I, I'm if I remember correctly, I think Basha's crab has a little bit more visible damage on it than Clover and the chameleon. Could but be. Also, also, I forget. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, we'll get
1: there. Yeah, Luce again tries to persuade her as Albert is not abandoned and has an owner, but. Backqueen first says she wouldn't let him return with her, but then, uh, uh wait, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Backqueen at first says she wouldn't return that Albert wouldn't return on his own, but then shouts that she also won't let him. But Albert says between them to stop her. Backqueen uses the telepathy again to find out that Albert really does care about Luce, and that it's kind of just a misunderstanding that he got hurt earlier, and she allows him to leave. Uh, Luce, before leaving, asks Backfeen about her owner, but she has forgotten over thousands of years. But Luce also offers to help her find out what became of them, if Backfeen ever wants to. They (laughs) go back home, and Luce indoctrinates Albert into the Boo Boo Buddy Club by putting a bandage on his little damaged head. Or his damaged head, and Ida just, like, shows up and is like, why are you off the staff? And Albert tries to lie saying they went and got ice cream, and she's like, yeah, you're all lying, but I don't care at the moment because I'm too tired. <laughs> <laughs> she goes back to her room and tosses up an elixir bottle where she then realizes that it's not working anymore. And uh, also at that point, like, King wanders back off to the playground. We never get confirmation whether he reclaimed his drone there, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and we just end on a little scene of back Queen, uh, trying to make it seem like she's going to read a book to her kids, but actually just rips it up and feeds them. Which again, I guess it makes sense that palisman that would have to eat books, because books are derived from wood. But also, <laughs> it's like, what, why do palismen have to eat, period? Yeah. Or wood? Valid
0: question. Know. Who knows? It's possibly also worth noting, the book is called A Pox on a Fox, so I don't mind getting rid of it, because bad things shouldn't happen to foxes.
1: Also true, foxes are good and pure creatures.
0: Just as lucky, <laughs> the
1: foxes are good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I have this like, uh, I guess actually, you know, I'll get into the notes I have that that I haven't covered, uh, I like Lucy's little freakout at the start of the episode where she's acting like a worried parent about King being bullied at the playground. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, a it's just another say the being adorable scene, because, <laughs> like, she's acting a concerned parent when she's 14. Yeah. Uh. I also really like the deranged look she has on her face when, like, when she suggests like, putting King in a little doctor's outfit to, like, attend to Ida. She's like, nobody wants to see that. And Lucius has like this look on her face with bags in her eyes that she just says, "I do." <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just again a very funny Lucer reaction and face. <laughs> uh... Uh Yeah, uh, when Luz tries to do the split while she has her Hexide spirit going on, I just feel that pain so much. <laughs> like, every time I see her do that split and you hear the crack and, like, Sarah Nicole Robles' delivery, uh, delivery of, well, I never did that before. I'm just like, uh, I, I've never been able to see the split, but also, yes, I understand this pain. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be misery.
0: <laughs> I simply... Uh, myself
2: yeah uh
1: one thing i have noted here real quick uh when willow is talking about their options to get the glandus she specifies that her parents have a staff but kind of uses it in the singular because she's like they're at work so i can't get their staff rather than one (laughs) of their staffs so like i guess one of willow's dads doesn't have a staff or something i'm not
0: sure would be unusual but it's very possible
1: yeah, I mean we we've seen that like not every witch has palisman staves because like a lot of the uh, emperor's govern guys don't have palisman it seems or have like mechanical staves so like no maybe not everybody has one it's I mean it seems like it is like a choice and like not everybody actually needs one to still be able to perform magic it just seems like having one is a little bit more of like a power reserve or something and also more transport
2: so that makes sense. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just a little interesting observation that I had there while I was watching it.
0: <laughs> Do, I, I also... Do all staffs have the ability to fly? Because, I mean, not all palismen have wings. So they can't all uh,
1: we we get the implication that yes, because, like, we definitely see ghosts fly and ghosts as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, we've only seen, like, ghosts fly, like, close to the ground during that fight scene in Eclipse Lake, but, like... The implication there is that Ghost can fly like normal and Amity was just keeping low to the ground because she was in a cave and therefore didn't want to bunk her head on the ceiling.
2: That's fair.
0: So I guess then we have to ask the question, does Albert even need to flap or is he just doing that for fun?
1: Maybe for fun. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I also remember we see uh, I don't remember the animals themselves but when we see uh, Luce and King in the race in Season 2 Episode 7 we do actually see other kids in their stabs Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure that there are definitely at least some of them that are not, like, aerial animals. Like, they don't have wings or whatever. Yeah, that's
0: fair. I forgot about
1: that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like an extra little thing that's happening in the background episode, because that episode is all about Eden and Rain. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Just moving on. Uh, I still just love Willow's decision to not acknowledge she's suffering a lot of bones. It's just a good and funny joke of, like, it's like, not if I don't look down. (laughs) It's it's just like, oh yeah, Willow doesn't get a lot of funny lines, but that's just good delivery. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, I mean, also, just a little thing I liked here uh, just seeing Luce's like, eyes dilate, that she goes, oh, after she bathed the, the back green babies. It's like, yeah, I just, I just love it whenever we see Luce just have a adorable look on her face. Yeah, <laughs> L- Luce will say that it's just a precious little child. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's really it I have in terms of notes on that episode. I mean, we'll get to the trivia part when we get to it after episode 11. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Uh... Um, yeah.
0: So I guess that means it's time for us to dive into the real reason we switched uh, order, and that is so I get to have all the book episodes. <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's actually one of our part of our questions for the week it's just like dang why do you get what why does our house uh, allowed to have two book episodes that's <laughs> a little sunny ultimate. uh
0: so this is season one episode 11 sense and insensitivity uh we open with Everyone at Ida's human treasure stall, and King is trying to offer people free snack samples. The snack samples he is offering it are a magic eight ball, a Santa-shaped Pez dispenser, a rotten hot dog, and what I think are supposed to be two strips of bacon, but they could just be lesbian flags. I can't tell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought it was bacon, but, like, it could be lesbian flags, probably not, considering how many pride flags they had in the show. Yeah, really. <laughs> also, again, if it is bacon, uh, where the fuck is he getting bacon and hot dogs from? <laughs> food <laughs> is a big thing early in Season 2, and they just keep bringing up more food.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So everyone pretty much ignores him, and I mentioned that the kid, the, the usurper, was here. This is where we see mm-hmm. him. He walks past with a copy of a book in his hands. Oh. So does the guy who eats his own eyeballs from Episode 1. Nice. Um, yeah king's pretty upset by everyone ignoring him because he should be their overlord and they should listen to him but it turns out that it is book fair day in the boiling Isles, so naturally my favorite day of the year (laughs) yeah um did you
1: did you ever have the like the the store days at school where it's like you have like the different like uh sections where you can like buy like little like it's kind of like something that you, I think, they used to do around like holidays. So like, yeah, you like hear it's like, here's like the presents you can get your family, even though your family totally gave you like the five bucks for it. <laughs> uh,
0: no, I didn't have anything like that, but we definitely had the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely had that too. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, those are good. Like, I remember like the ca- the catalog you used to get that you could bring around to them.
0: Yeah, so uh, everybody in town has got their booths out, and they're looking at books, and that's why Ida's not getting any business today. Uh, Ida and King are not thrilled by this, because they think reading is for dorks. Uh, Some of the titles I spotted were uh, The Sword and the Stone and Me, Interplanetary Love, which is touted as one of the best sci-fi romances available, so I Mm -hmm. guess people are into sci-fi in the Boiling Isles. (laughs) Uh my boyfriend from Tartarus, something called pulling a Faust one.
1: Oh, it's because like the joke is the uh, Faustian deal that you make with mm-hmm. the devil.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: But he gets out of it
0: is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's about doing a con. And finally my favorite, Trekking the Stars.
1: <laughs> yep. No no uh no guesses about what that might be. <laughs>
0: There is also one called the Magic Mirror, but that's less interesting. Um, yeah. So everybody just kinda leaves the stall. They they wander off and leave Ida's booth unattended to look at the books.
1: Yeah, they really don't pack up her shit. I guess maybe they do that off panel or off screen or whatever. Cause like Ida can like she's shown she can like pack it up really quick just with like, you know, snap of her fingers or whatever. So like presumably she does that and just like I guess teleported the bag or somewhere or something.
0: yeah so um luce has king riding in the hood of her i don't know what to call this i want to say a hoodie but it's not got sleeves.
2: yeah this
1: is shirt is still so weird to me because like i mean because i mentioned i have that shirt but i (laughs) have it as like the form of a shirt it just has the hood as well but like luce kind of has like a weird like crop top hoodie i guess is the best way to describe it because it's not a long it's not a full-length shirt Yeah, Because it, like, cuts off more near her middle. And, like, I definitely have noticed there's some moments where, like, there's, like, a breeze or something like that that, like, like, happens around her where her, like, shirt kind of gets pushed a little bit upward. And we do just see her belly a lot of times. So it's like, does Liz not have a shirt on underneath her weird hoodie crop top thing?
0: (laughs) Apparently not.
1: I I guess not. Also, like, I've always been a little bit weirded out by Luce's like, really short pants that she has before the leggings. It seems it just <laughs> seems strange to me. I don't know, she's 14, she can wear whatever she wants.
0: Uh, layering is fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, Luce spots a booth for a writing competition and admits that she has always wanted to be a writer. Um, Obviously a witch also, but magic isn't really a thing where she comes from, so writer was her backup plan. And I guess she wants it bad enough that she's going to try to be both. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is a line, though, and they bump into Tiny Nose, who says that they're in line for John DePlume, Plume, the most famous writer on the Boiling Isles, which I meant to introduce Quill as today, but I completely forgot and went into the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you're so used to uh, the joke about me being the most wanted criminal. So it's just <laughs> second nature to introduce me like that.
0: It really is. I've practiced that a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can tell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this guy um, kind of looks like a beatnik, but he wrote the Realm Warrior series and is incredibly popular. Uh, Tiny Nose wants him to marry her after reading her story. (laughs) And King is just fascinated by the way people look up to him and decides that he's also going to enter the contest. And Luce suggests that they work together because they'd be the perfect writing team. And credits. And we open to Ida browsing the book fair. She's super bored, <laughs> and she she said earlier she was going to try pickpocketing some dorks, but she's definitely not doing that. So no,
1: she's just picking up books and just throwing it around, just being like garbage.
0: <laughs> yes, I don't think I mean... we would get along as well as I thought we would.
1: Mm, maybe not. I- Ida seems like she would have a lot of like fun stories to hang out with for an after like an afternoon or evening talking about. But like I feel like if you go out with her anywhere. So just like any place that's not like a restaurant or a bar, it might be a bit grating to be around Lita.
0: Just like I have a really solid book collection, and if this is how she yeah yeah no same,
2: (laughs) (laughs) we would
1: get along way more with Luz because Luz would be like oh books.
0: Yeah, so uh, Ida spots her reflection in a mirror on a book cover, and she gets upset because she sees another wrinkle and takes that to mean that the curse is getting worse. Why she doesn't just think she's getting older, I don't know, but there you go.
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, we don't have, like, an official say so on how old Ida is, but, like, we do know that Lilith is, like, two years older than Ida, uh, uh, Ida, and, like, they're both somewhere in their forties. I remember Dana saying, but she hasn't like said explicitly like how old they are. Mm-hmm. It's just that like yeah, Ethan just looks way older than Lilith because of the curse and everything. But it's like, I mean, I'm 34 and I haven't noticed like any wrinkles or anything or gray hair, so it's like I don't know, not going wood for me, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you're taking magic youth pills, so. I I mean, fair, yes. <laughs>
1: My skin is super soft, and I've always been a small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, while she's looking at herself in the mirror, she overhears Lilith there, who's there to collect a map to the Bloom of Eternal Youth, which is apparently a magic flower that well it does what it says on the tin. And she wants to get this for the Emperor, and says capturing Ida can wait, because this is more important. So she and her guard Steve take off, and Ida decides that she's going to get there first and steal it, so the shopkeeper naturally sells her another copy of the map. Uh, I don't really know how to describe this guy. He's like a weird catman with a long neck, I don't know. Yeah, he's kind of strange. I also
1: don't know if this guy ever gets named, I don't think so.
0: He definitely does not, I was looking for that.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, I'm googling the episode to see if he's in the credits. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um, at the L House, King's excited uh, when Luce starts them brainstorming because she says that he can write anything he wants on the cards. So they're pitting um, note cards on a a cork board to just sort of get the idea of the story they want to tell. But all he wants is blood and violence, which is not great. Luce writes down about 50 things, and uh, she wants the heroine of the book to be about, well, she wants it to be. She wants it to be Azura fanfic is what she wants.
2: Yeah. Kind well, of
1: I, yeah, she wants that's to name it Lazura. Because that's what this episode yep. is. Yeah, because I mean like she's naming the character Lazura, which is exactly yeah. what she called herself back yeah, She's Lazura. Yeah. And also I, I did check version. the guy I did check the guy's official name is Merchant.
0: <laughs> hey, I've been calling him shopkeep, so I wasn't that far off.
1: Yeah, pretty close.
0: Yeah, so um there's a, a writing montage, and it's fine. Uh, the thing that I liked most about it is that Luce does break down the tenets of writing a book on a chalkboard. So I guess they've just got all kinds of office supplies here. But the steps for yeah. writing a book, according to Luce, are... 1. Find a cat. 2. Endanger a cat. 3. Shave a cat. And 4. Book complete.
1: <laughs> uh, I, wasn't it save the cat? Not save the cat. <laughs>
0: Well, it should be, is the thing. Oh.
1: Maybe I, I saw it wrong, then. I thought it was save the cat.
0: Yeah, she wrote shave, so I guess she misheard oh, okay. that. I,
1: I also like that there's, like, kind of a reference to, like, the hero's journey and some of, like, the the uh, ideas she has. Like, you kind of see, like, that progression of, like, that circle or whatever, the hero's journey uh, format. Yeah. Yeah,
2: so yeah she
0: definitely that. does draw the hero's journey diagram before turning it into a weird face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, this is just a a slight misunderstanding. You're supposed to save the cat to establish your hero is likable, but she wants to shave it. And I guess that's the last thing she (laughs) wants to do
2: in the book, is make (laughs) Luzura likable.
0: Yeah, so they write a book called Luzura's Awakening, and King doesn't love the romance that Luz put in it, but Ida calls her away because she's leaving for a few days and Luz is in charge and when she gets back, King has trashed everything because he prefers his own book, Ruler's Reach, Enter the Bad Boy. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice the subtitle.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. And I did check, you are correct, it did say Shave a Cat. But it also has Shave a Cat, question mark, question mark, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> Very much the whole like step one, whatever, step two, yeah, create yeah, the mark, step yeah, three, profit. Yeah. Uh, also, so... how, did, how, did, how did they write a book in like an afternoon?
0: <laughs> Listen, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Lou suggests that uh, King should submit this book on his own because he clearly doesn't want to work with her on a creative level and is just throwing out her stuff. This is also where we learn that the typewriter is sentient. <laughs>
1: Yes, this typewriter, also voiced by Aaron Hansen, by the way.
0: I did not realize. Nope. Must <laughs> have had him on retainer.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he, like there's a variety of like background characters he voices at times, and this was one of them. Because I, I don't think that when we see the typewriter again when he's using it, I'm pretty sure it does not speak.
0: Not that yeah. I remember, yeah. That's yeah. why this was such a surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, King bursts into a bar demanding someone to read his book, and he is thrown out immediately. Which, good, he's eight, he shouldn't be in a bar. (laughs) Oh, yes, didn't even think of that. (laughs) But uh, a strange lizard meets him outside and reads the book in about a second with his three eyes, and then introduces himself as Pinier of Pinier's Publishing House. He says he likes King's book and wants to buy it to publish it. Uh, King signs the contract by splashing fruit punch on his paw and just smacking the contract, which I guess works.
1: Oh, uh, sorry to interrupt. I'm actually incorrect. Uh, it's not uh, Aaron Hansen. That is actually Edric's voice actor, Ryan O'Flanagan. My ah. mistake. Okay, <laughs> did, did not sound like him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My bad. No worries. No worries. Happens to all of us. Uh, so after a commercial we open on a blacksmith forging a copy of king's book and when i say forging i don't mean like making a fake copy he's literally forging it out of ore yeah this... that's how they make books in the boiling yeah, house th- this is actually pretty rad
1: i like how they make the books in the boiling house
0: oh yeah no i love this i wish it always worked like this <laughs>
2: but
0: hey,
1: they... Why, why is Matholomew delivering books? Why does he have a job doing delivery service stuff? <laughs> yeah, I do not
2: know.
0: So we see loads of copies being delivered all around town, and Matholomew's the one driving the cart and dropping the books off. So I don't yeah, know.
1: Why. I mean, it's it's possible that, like, I guess maybe, like, one of his parents might run that business, and he's just helping out or something. yeah. Like it's possible that he's just like throwing them off as their as his parent is like driving around. But yeah, it's just it's just very weird to see him here. Where it's like, I guess they needed a character here, and they're like, I don't know, use him with all the <laughs> meal. He doesn't really I, have much to do the rest of the season. Use him here.
0: I do like the big sign of King in the window of this bookshop that just has a big way coming out of him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is his catchphrase. But yeah, so his book is getting extremely highly reviewed. It's selling out all over. And he wears clothes now that he's famous. He's sort of imitating Jean de Plume's style from earlier. And people seem to love him. They're basically mobbing him in the streets, which I don't think has happened to any author ever. But he wears clothes... It, yeah, I said
1: Yeah, I would think that maybe that's happened in some cases. Like, I can think of one in particular that probably has had that happen, but also, I mean... Let's be real, Rowling definitely has a security retainment around her that stops that shit by this point.
0: Yeah, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. Um yeah, so he's basically lifted up, he's um people are mobbing him in the streets and Tiny Nose shows up. She wants him to read her book now. Because I guess Jean de Plume didn't earlier. And he signs it but does not read it and just hands it back and she takes that ...to make him her inspiration, which... Dumb. You wrote the book before you talked to the other guy. Why? How? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, In the woods, we have a weird cutaway... ...where Ida runs into Lilith... ...as they're looking for the flower... Uh Lilith is very condescending about how old and frail Ida is because of a curse. but Ida just runs off to get to the flower first. That's the whole scene. We could have put that later. No worries,
1: yeah. I, again, like just like much like last episode, like kind of weird cutaways at times.
0: yeah, I don't yeah. mind that they have B plots going on, but they just no,
1: like, oh, yeah, no they not at all. So it's, just, it's just in these it, episodes. yeah, it's just the editing that's strange. but i I do actually really like the scene between the two of them because, like, i mean up until now i mean we've only really seen like one really one scene between the two of them which was way back in convention because like we kind of can't really count uh once by the swap because that was loose in Ida's body <laughs> so it's like I, I still like that this is like them being like yeah they're still being a little bit like playfully antagonistic with each other just like at convention but they're also being kind of goofs with each other yeah. of like Ida being like i mean get there before you, runs off and then it's like no you're no you're not <laughs> like i i very much like that where it's like this is like the first scene of like what we'll see later on in season two of just absolute dork lilith because <laughs> like <laughs> god once season two rolls around lilith just becomes such a goober <laughs> yeah
0: so we uh we cut back to the owl house where king has been invited to a launch party thrown by the publisher for his book which seems weird since everybody already has it Have already been selling it, but I guess they're launching it. It's fine. Uh, He invites Luce, but she kind of throws the invitation on the floor and just keeps typing. Uh, He heads to the party and she admits that she doesn't want to be mad at him because he's her friend. So, you know, didn't express that very well, but I understand that. I I get not good feelings. Yeah.
1: I mean, Luce is is 14, so it's like it's rough at that age. be yeah. honest
0: yeah and this party is at the library it's the same library from uh, lost in language so that's nice they kept the models but there is no sign of the mean librarian thankfully we don't like that guy
1: yeah i i don't think that guy ever comes back again actually now i think about it i don't remember seeing him in the background anywhere and he's Good. not he's yeah, a bad librarian yeah and, and like he doesn't show up in uh through the looking glass ruins, either because, like, I mean, that's when we like established uh, Malthus as like mm-hmm. the the head of the uh, like, restricted, not restricted, actually, again, well, is, like, again,
2: the head
0: librarian, that's fine, yeah,
1: yeah, no, yeah, that's that like Forbidden sax area at the least, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so even though this is the launch party, the fans already want a sequel to the book, which is kind of wild, but sure, yeah. And... Pignette pulls King aside to talk about that. Sorry, Pignette. I said Pignette. I'm taking French. Yeah, word. no, it's <laughs> like, I,
2: I, I mean,
1: honestly, I like I, like, I think it's like, only like the third time i ever actually watched this episode because I usually skip it because it's really just King learns to be less of a jackass. But yeah, yeah like I, 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 ca- I, yeah, I kind of had forgotten that his name was Pignette and not Pignette because like, it, it seems like it's like kind of like a French-inspired name. And so I was like, oh, the T has to be silent, right? So, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that it's Pignette.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was watching, I always watch with subtitles to see if there's anything I might miss.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been watching with subtitles too during this rewatch.
0: Yeah, and I saw that name written down before he actually said it because of the way subtitles sometimes work. And I was shocked mm-hmm. when it came out of his mouth because yeah. it's so clearly a French name. And then he doesn't yeah. say it that way at all.
1: He's also just straight up a lizard folk. <laughs> like, just a D s <laughs> lizard folk, but with little, like, pince-nez glasses or every eye. three eyes. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But yeah. he really is just a lizard.
0: <laughs> so he pulls King aside to talk to him about the sequel, and it turns out that King has already written it somehow. Except it is apparently really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, Pignette laughs at this, thinking it's just a joke, and says to get busy. Um, very demanding publisher, but sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh.
0: Luce shows up at the party because she doesn't want to be mad about King succeeding because they're friends, so she came to support him. The, the trouble is he's decided he can't write without, quote, rebelling against her gushy fantasy slop. So yeah. <laughs> she understandably gets very upset and leaves, refusing to help. But uh, Pinette is stalking around in the stacks and hears King admit that he can't work without Luce. It's ominous. It's also... Mm-hmm. Just another weird little placement scene. So Ida and Lilith are racing through the woods, and Ida starts to reminisce about them racing to the kitchen, which I'm curious about, but I have no answers. Mm. And it turns out Lilith has been caught by a um, a crab spider? A spider crab thing? Yeah. It looks like a it. crab, but it has webs. Yeah.
1: It's kind, of, it's kind of like a little bit of like a uh, last year, Bundery kind of like fusion of animals and insects. Yeah. Ida
0: yeah. uh, saves her, and Philip admits that she wasn't sure if Ida would do that. But Ida says that, yeah, they might fight, but they're still sisters. At this point, they find the Bloom of Eternal Youth, and Ida picks it because she wants to prove that she's not a frail old biddy.
1: Yeah, I, I also just especially like that after that the like, heartwarming scene of her saving the lift, she just pushes the lift down to the ground and gets the bloom.
2: <laughs> this is yeah.
1: very funny, where they just see it and the lift is like, fuck you, or just like, fuck you, and pushes the lift down
2: and runs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As she holds the bloom, it vanishes as a sinister laugh begins, and a silhouette that's totally not the shopkeeper, <laughs> Uh We cut to the library, where Luce is trying to leave, but she's stopped by Pignette. I get that this scene had to happen, it should have happened earlier when he was skulking around, it's very weird where it is. Yeah, like this
1: This kind of could have happened like right after the bit of King admitting that he can't write about her
2: exactly
1: like, it, like like even if it was just like his cronies doing it he could have like done like a whole like hand motion to them of like get her and then have them take her kind mm-hmm, of deal mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of, yeah it's kind of weird facing with that
2: yeah
0: so uh, we cut to an arena i believe this is the same arena from convention and king's fans are all here they're Waiting for him to come out and say something. I believe this is supposed to be an announcement for his second book, although it's not clear what kind of a book event it is. He's
1: yeah, like because the hard. banners, do, the banners do say "Ruler's Reach" too, so it is like presumably where he would actually talk about the sequel. Yeah, and, and yeah, you are right. It is also the arena from Convention.
0: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he admits to Pignette that he can't write without Luz, and the lizard man says he knows. Loose is backstage in a glowing box, which Pignette can shrink at will. I would argue that they missed a very big joke here. They should have called this the writer's block. They didn't. But yeah, so um, this box is like a, a magical shrinking box, and Pignette is holding Loose hostage for the second book and will crush her if they don't write it. And my thought here is that the dude just has... Awful timing, the absolute worst. There is an audience out there waiting for King to speak. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. This this has like kind of like E three energy when like shit goes wrong, like the the infamous like Uncharted four uh, tacti- uh, error that happened <laughs> that was like causing them to not be able to move and they had to restart it. Yeah, but also very funny that they actually did reference that. Like they, they played it up for last with the fact that like there's an achievement in the full game if you stand still at that scene and for like 30 seconds it gives you an a trophy called states right.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, very 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 funny when developers can actually like poke fun at themselves. But also Naughty Dog is a bad company, <laughs> aren't they all? They are. I mean, yeah, pretty much if you're AAA you have a lot of shit going on in the closet. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I'm just saying, you've got an author event scheduled. Don't, like, force your dude to write an entire book right now.
1: Yeah, like, at the the least, like, presumably what he could have done a little smarter here is, like, be like, all right, go out there and admit, and, like, announce that the sequel will be out in, like, a few days, and then I'm going to throw you in the box, and you're going to write it, or you're going to get crushed. Yeah. Like, deal with that problem, and then deal with writing the book.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: so that's it's fine it's fine it's fantasy it has to be weird yeah but anyway so yeah um he says that some of the best books have been written during crunch time and Luce just really lets him have it with both barrels
2: yep um,
0: yeah let's see the quote is that's a toxic mentality that contributes to burnout and unrealistic expectations Mm-hmm. nice one 14 year old child thank you
1: yes like L- luce is very terminally online it seems and she is well aware of all the shit that can happen in the entertainment industry in terms of just churning out nebulous content it seems <laughs> also of course like it's definitely the crew commentating on the shitty state of things because <laughs> like, yeah yeah like the crew is like our age and like they are very much in the know of, like, yeah, shit is fucked.
0: (laughs) So, uh, King demands that Pignette let loose out, but he won't until he gets a book, and he puts King in the cube also. He reveals that he has turned Jean de Plume and a bunch of other people into tiny cubes. So, I guess they don't actually get crushed, just turned into, like, blocks. They've still got worms and junk sticking out of them, so it's not like they're squished into boxes, they're just turned into cubes. Yeah, they're they're uh
1: just I guess disfigured or something and p- presumably stuck like that because like when they do flee to freedom they don't get reverted back.
0: Yeah. Also, I have significant concerns about what happens when you put two people in one box.
1: Also, yeah, yeah, cuz like none of the people we see in the briefcase are two people together. It's they're all individuals. <laughs> Is, yeah. it like cat, is it like a cat-dog situation? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I mean, Luce is basically a cat and King is basically a dog, so I guess that actually isn't pretty accurate. Yeah, you're not
0: wrong. Uh, Luce offers to use her story, but King says he can't put his name on a book that's all hugging and crying, and yet again, Luce just lets him have it yeah, she's just... very mad because she just wanted to make something with her friends and work together on a project but he doesn't have the ability to compromise and that really bothers yeah. her um he says that she's already living her dream because she's getting to be a witch but being famous like this is the closest he can get and he apologizes for the way he treated her which is nice not that it's going to stick for a while, but... Oh,
1: no. I mean, in three episodes, he will have forgotten this lesson again. <laughs> yeah,
2: see, that's the thing.
1: I've, I mean, he just forgot this lesson uh, from last episode about using friends to his own gain.
0: <laughs> I would like uh... this episode a lot if that had any effect, but because it doesn't, because he goes back to being selfish and rude so fast, I just... It, it's, yeah, it's, a lot more pointless
1: yeah like part of me wonders if maybe like a few of these episodes are being made at the same time and for some reason aspects of king's character growth weren't shared as much
0: that it, makes sense
1: yeah i mean like because like i assume they're producing a multiple at a time rather than doing one and then moving on to the next so it's like it's it's just it's strange because it's like we definitely see like progression on Luz and Ida's part when they remember stuff because like it's something that I have in my notes that I didn't mention yet but like there's the fact that like you know Ida just a few well I guess nine episodes ago laughed at Luz for taking a map from a weirdo about like some magical item and she does the same here but at the least in like a few moments either just admits like it was like a 50 50 chance of it being fake i admit like <laughs> so it's like okay yes yeah, good at least either admits that she's like i was pretty sure it was probably going to be bullshit anyway but i wanted to go and just see yeah so it's like okay yeah she at least is like progressing from there considering how much she roasted loose about that map <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: so uh, the cube that they're in is shrinking really fast. Like, comedically fast. There's no way you could write a book in this amount of time fast. Nope. And I get the feeling that Pinette doesn't actually want another book. He just wants to crush people. Yeah, it cool. seems like.
1: Considering that, like, when they break out, he just takes out a fucking axe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He, he kind of just wants to either cube people or kill them, it seems. Oh.
0: So like my question here is I mean, he's clearly got this set up in a way that you can't win. Does nobody go looking for all these best selling authors who come up with one really good book?
1: Yeah yeah, I think it's a little question of, like, you know, how come everybody doesn't question why, like, all these authors just stop saying anything and just go silent?
0: Yeah, for real, you would think after, I don't know, five or ten authors from one publishing company put out a first book and then never come out with the second one, there's gonna be questions.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but, like, at the same time, I mean, God, it's been, what, like, seven years or so since uh fucking... Uh, Dance of Dragons release and it's like, yeah, nobody expects George R. R. Martin to actually ever release uh The Winds of Winter nor A Dream of Spring at this point.
0: <laughs> okay, I get that, but I feel like it's a slightly different situation because that's one author. Yeah, Is that's that's
1: that's yeah. Admittedly that's one author who has also been busy helping out with the show adaptation and also Elden Right. So it's like Also, that guy doesn't have to work a day in his life. He's got a lot. He's got enough money to be set for life. He doesn't have to give a shit if he doesn't want to. Exactly. Yeah. I would still be interested in actually reading those books because it's like, at the least, I know that they would be handled way better based on the books compared to the show because he has time to actually like show the character progression from A to B compared to the show where it's just at the drop of a hat one character decides to do a genocide. <laughs> uh, God. Remember when people cared about Game of Thrones? <laughs> and then that just dropped off a fucking cliff.
0: Yeah, well, that'll happen with prestige television.
1: Yeah. Also, I mean, it was pretty obvious once like season seven started up that they had no fucking idea how to actually end that show.
0: And, well, it's David Benioff. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. so uh, Luce offers King a plan, but says that they'll have to work together, and then we cut away uh, to where Lilith and Ida are confronted by the shopkeep, who reveals that there has never been a bloom of eternal youth. He has lured them out there to eat them, and they make fun of him a lot, and he complains that they should be cowering. <laughs> they don't super do that.
1: Yeah, they, they I I kind of got like uh remember the bit in Final Fantasy Seven of like Aerith and uh, Tifa like putting their feet up on uh the bed of Don Cornelio like threatening him i kind of got like heavy that vibe from them just like being like oh no we're gonna get killed by this fucking idiot here (laughs) and like them like like especially like when like when either cracks her knuckles and blows just summons her staff and it's like oh yeah like i kind of got like heavy like erif with a fucking chair just braining that one guy from the remake kind of (laughs) scene from this just like them being like oh no we're such in danger (laughs)
0: But yeah, this is a very short scene as well. So we cut back to Luce and King offering Pignette a book called Luzura and the Shimmering Tears of Love and Hate. Oh, I didn't notice the title. (laughs) Yeah, it does not even sound like a sequel to Ruler's Reach, Enter the Bad Boy, but that's what they give him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't like it very much. He says it's sappier than their last book, but it was actually a trick. He had to make a hole in the cube to take the manuscript, and Luce uses that hole to trigger the light glyph that she hid on the last page of the manuscript. And then my cat steps on the keyboard and messes up all my notes. But,
1: <laughs> Hello, kitty. Uh,
0: while he's blinded, uh, King lassos him with his new pretentious scarf and steals the contract from his pocket, which Luce then proceeds to eat.
2: <laughs> um, Luce, we the have...
0: Contract the box detonates. <laughs>
1: Luce, we have established that you have gotten pretty small since you can hold off the weight of the Bat Queen. You can rip up some pieces of paper with your hands. You don't need to rip it in your mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what our plan is there. But it works, because the box is spontaneously destroyed. I guess his magic is contract magic or something.
1: Yeah, what, what coven is that part of? The contract coven?
0: Yeah, probably lawyers
1: the, the, yeah the lawyer <laughs> legally is coming
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, King releases all the other author cubes which apparently are still mobile and they sort of bounce all over Pignette uh, his guards stop King and Loose from fleeing and Pignette pulls out a Percy Jackson reference which is to say a bronze pen which when you uncap it becomes a weapon
1: <laughs> oh I didn't even know that was a reference
0: I don't know if it deliberately is, but uh, the main character of the Percy Jackson books uses a bronze pen and when you uncap it it becomes a sword. Huh. So this it just it's very similar. It just turns it, into an axe. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably a reference considering
1: that's a book series. So probably is.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, he starts trying to kill them with an axe. <laughs>
2: mhm.
0: Like you do. At That's which point, guards are thrown aside by Tiny Nose, who wants King to read her story, um, and yet agrees to read it, if she'll go away, but it turns out that it's super good, and he begs to publish her immediately. Uh, While well, he's distracted, loose King, and the author cubes all flee, leaving her to her fate. <laughs> I guess uh, this is why they got her out of jail. To turn her into a cube.
1: <laughs> we know that Tiny Nose is fine. Like, she, she shows up at way later in Season 2 at times. So, it's like, yeah, she she does get cubed. She's okay.
0: Yeah, we know that. But Luce and King don't know that's going to be the case in the moment. But
1: there, they do kind of just leave her possibly to death.
0: <laughs> they don't even try to warn her.
1: <laughs> no. Also, uh, it was skipped over a little bit. But Pinja definitely does just step on one of the cubes. And that guy is just dead. <laughs> like, Please, that- no, no, that man is gone. <laughs> he well, he's, on. Bitter,
0: but he's just flat, though.
1: Yeah, I guess. He's probably horribly disfigured, though, if he ever gets uncubed.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, when they're fleeing for the door, there's one of them that's just, like, a, a flat... Oh, uh,
1: I, guess, I guess I didn't know that one.
0: <laughs> the weird thing is, the one he steps on is purple, and the flat one is green, so... <laughs> uh
1: yeah, that's probably just a coloration or uh never...
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we cut back to Ida and Lilith. They have beat up the shopkeeper off screen. Um, I kind of got some hoodie vibes off of him at this point because his face is very round and his neck is weirdly long, so <laughs> I think that's just a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, Lilith says that she doesn't think of Ida as a tired old biddy because she's way too hard to catch for that to be true. And she's also not going to take Ida in because she wants her to join the Emperor's coven willingly. Uh, She says that the Emperor could heal the curse, but Ida refuses. She wants to fix it on her own terms, and then just sort of takes off. It's nice. We get to see them as, you know, not enemies for the first time, I think.
1: Yep. I'm sure this won't end up being tragic in, uh, let's say, seven episodes.
0: (laughs) It'll be fine. Not
1: not at all. (laughs) Totally normal and okay.
0: Yeah, so back at the L house, everybody's crashing on the couch, and Ida is tired, but she says that apple blood and a good book will fix it. But Luce and King freak out at the very idea of books and run away. Uh, she finds a copy of Ruler's Reach on the table and sees King's author photo, and I have to go. The cat just knocked over a bunch of in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I heard that
2: definitely. That definitely came across on the mic. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure if uh, they're going to edit this out, but hey, listener, I'm going to be living with two cats uh, after not the next recording, but the very one after. So you'll probably also hear cat noises in the back on my side, too. I'm looking forward to it.
0: No worries. Not break anything.
1: Nope. I I, I filled the silence. I'm not sure if you want to edit around it, but uh, yeah, no, it's all good. Eh, We'll see.
0: I'll listen to it later. Uh, yes. So, she finds the book, um, and the typewriter shows up to tell her she does not want to know, and the episode closes. Uh, I'm sorry for having so many notes on this. I couldn't help myself, because it's a book episode. Despite the fact that it's a book episode, and I love that about it, I really feel like this is basically nothing. I honestly would put it lower than once upon a swap on a list.
1: Dang, that is, uh, that is scathing. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, this this and uh, freaking really small problems are episodes I usually also skip. <laughs> Upon rewatching this episode for the first time in like, God, at least a year, I actually kind of like this episode more than I was expecting. It, it's, <laughs> it's still like kind of lower than most episodes. Like I, I kind of actually would probably put wing it like uh, witches before wizards about this one, honestly. But like, oh, really? yeah, I mean, but like, it's really more like. I really like the B-plot between Ida and Lilith in this episode, like, way more than the main plot. I I really just like how it's, like, them being, like, yeah, we, like, Ida and Lilith are, like, you know, they're they're at each other's throats at times, but, like, they still, like, acknowledge that they care about each other's well-being. And, again, it's totally not setting up for it going real bad in, uh, let's say episode 18. Not at all. (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're not yeah. wrong about that subplot, but I just feel like it's so insubstantial. It, I mean, the whole thing lasts maybe two minutes, if that.
1: Yeah, that's um, true. It's, it, it's we, just... don't, we don't see them a lot, this thing.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. So.
1: But I like what we do see of it.
0: Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with what you like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do have a few other notes here of stuff that did not get well that i didn't interrupt with uh i just also really like king riding in Luce's hoodie at the beginning it's very adorable <laughs> i honestly forgot that she did have the hoodie show up because like a lot of times like i feel like Lucy's outfit is kind of drawn without the hoodie or at the very least definitely without the cat ears on it right and i, I forgot that they actually popped up again here because like i don't remember the cat ears showing up very often i think Coming forward. It's, like, really even more early on when Luce is, like, a little bit more nervous about her abilities as a witch that she has it on because she's hiding her face in it. <laughs> uh, I also forgot that this is the uh, where two memes come from of the seven-year-old picture of Luce in the sweater with her, like, having her arm propped up on the windowsill that she had chosen as her, like no like, meet-the-author picture if <laughs> she ever did become a writer. I totally forgot that this is where that came from. And it's also where we get the meme about Steve, because a lot of people really love Steve and think that they like ship Steve with Lilith for some reason. Strange. Because shoulder pads for Steve. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, we we we, only ever, we don't even see Steve again, but we get a call out to Steve in Eclipse Lake because he's the one guard that Kikimura is bossing around, telling him to jump over a chasm. So, <laughs> Steve might be dead who knows we we don't know (laughs) he looks like every other coven guard so he might be gone except the captain that we meet in episode and i i really like the captain episode she's good (laughs) she's she's done with kiki morris shit (laughs) uh also a little funny observation i had here Luce refers to king as her best friend but just two episodes ago willow and gus called Luce their best friend so it's like i get that like in your mind, you can be best friends with someone who also doesn't consider you the, your best friend, but it's just kind of funny that it's like, you know, just two episodes ago, we got them saying that loose is their best friend, and now loose is like, King's my bestie. <laughs> and it's like,
0: you can have no. multiple best friends. Yeah, true. Quantitative measures are stupid.
1: Yeah. Uh, one little observation I do have here do you think that Bellows. Thinks the Bloom of Eternal Youth, fix fixes weird goop curse? Or do you think it's more that he knows it won't, but wants to prevent anybody else from getting it?
0: I'm not sure he even knows it's a thing. I think this is a Lilith side project.
1: Yeah, it, it might be. It might just be Lilith having heard of this, and she's like, I'll surprise the Emperor with this because it's like more like if he knows it exists or they've told him and then it turns out it's just a fake he's like well that was a waste of a few days of you being busy whatever
2: because
0: yeah. like steve is pushing back he doesn't think she should go for it so i think this is just her doing her thing
1: yeah maybe Since just her like kind of stepping out of line to be like he'll appreciate it when i come back with it and then oops
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh also i this. Pinay reads books backwards he flips the pages the opposite direction when he reads them. <laughs> <laughs> or pinet, yeah, I said pinet as well. God
0: damn it. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I was thinking about editing the first time I said it, but I think I have to keep it. I, up it
1: to no, talk. I think it, I think it's funnier that we keep fucking it up. People <laughs> won't <to> acknowledge it. <laughs> uh also, unfortunately, this is a really bad thing that unfortunately I'm gonna bring up. This episode is the terrible origin of Sking. because Skara steals and kisses the cardboard standee of King, and some like tiny fraction of the Owl House fandom really shipped the two because of this, and it's bad.
0: Gross, don't ship <laughs> Yeah, the-
1: it's yeah, oh, yes. Well, I think it started before people knew how old King was, but it's like even back here in season one, before we know King is eight. It still just really reads like King is really young, considering how often he forgets any lesson he learns. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's like, you kind of get that sense, but it's just like, I hate having to acknowledge King as a thing. Like, more than I hate having to acknowledge Lunter, or even Boshlo. Because you you know what those are, obviously, just based on the names, right? Yeah, it's Luce and Hunter, and, and Willow and Basha, which is... No! I can kind of understand Luce and Hunter, but also they have more of like a like rivalry or sibling feel to them when, during the one episode they're in. But like, don't ship Oslo. That's fucked.
2: <laughs>
0: like, uh. This might be kind of a damning admission for someone on an Owl House podcast, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm moderately uncomfortable with any shipping at all in this show, just from the sheer fact that they're all 14. Yeah, there's that also that. <laughs> kind of bothers me. But like at the same I, time, it's hard not to go through this show without feeling good about Lumity, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I feel like Lumity is a special case just because, like, as we'll see next episode, it's pretty much been foreshadowed for a while. Like, you could even ra- like argue that it was foreshadowed back in Lost in Language, but it's like it's really near the end of Adventures in the Elements when, like, you know. Amity blushes at the prospect of being in a club with Luce talking about the book series they'd like, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, she might just be embarrassed because of the notion of her admitting that she likes this really cheesy book series. But then the very next episode, she's you know telling herself it doesn't make any difference with the fact that Luce goes to her same school when it's like, th- at that point, it's like, okay, this is just a thing. Everybody knows the thing. It, the question is now whether they actually go for it or not in the sh- in the series. Right. So it's like, it it feels different than like stuff like this. Like, I even kind of understand the people that really would like to see Gus and Bartholomew get together based on how friendly they seem on terms after Through the Looking Glass Ruins. Because they're like, we don't know if we're friends or not. So it's like, eh, whatever. But like, I kind of can get it in a sense. Because it would also be at least good to see because it'd be a gay relationship as opposed to just a lesbian and bi relationship. Mm -hmm. And also a non binary and whatever Ida's thing is because like we don't know if Ida because like I mean she's back in the first episode she claimed that that's where she hides out from ex-boyfriends but Rain is not a guy Rain is not right. binary so <laughs> again who knows maybe Ida has no preference maybe Ida's pan maybe she's bi maybe she's sapphic who knows maybe I don't <laughs> know No, who knows with Ida we don't have confirmation one way or another besides the fact that she dated Rain and clearly still has feelings for them right yeah uh yeah i think that's kind of everything uh oh one thing i did also notice uh there's a bit there where that guy who joined the illusion coven in episode five is just hanging out with like amelia talking about ruler's reach and i was like oh dang it's that guy the guy that like you know we saw like the the coven mark Mm -hmm. show up where he got his magic blocked which is like nice Still, still, I guess like you can join covens when you're still in school because like you definitely still had like illusion, track clothes from Hexite on, but it's like, oh dang, I noticed that that guy was there because i never had seen him before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little interesting. Wow. War- and, and, uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, that, oh yeah, there's one other thing that's like kind of major. Why does Luce's Lightleaf kind of burn in the flames before it engulfs Pinet and or Pinette in light, yeah. like it. it
0: different yeah
1: yeah I, I mean we do is it so over, focused yeah I, I i think it's like because we do know that luce has like some control over the glyphs to get different uh, effects to produce because like she is able to use the light spell to make like a bunch of like signage as we saw back hmm. in uh once i on a swap and we also see her like be able to like make plants or make like vine whips or whatever to like like swing around and stuff Right. So it might just be like her getting more accustomed to that spell, with like making slight adjustments to make it do what she wants. Yeah, because I mean, like,
0: you know we... this one's a lot more of a flashbang than it is just. It's not a. a glow. Yeah, it's yeah,
1: it's, it's bad. also that it's not it's not the little ball like she usually does. It's just straight up like a like meant to stun him or whatever.
0: I think the but... fire is maybe just a side effect of the ignition of how bright that is. You know.
1: Yeah, maybe. It's it's just a weird observation, because, like, she doesn't know any other glyphs yet, and I mean, that's next episode, but, like, she definitely <laughs> doesn't know the fire glyph yet, yeah. that's the last one she found. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of an interesting little observation. Like, yeah, that's weird. She's, like, either getting more control over it to do different things, or it's just a weird effect, because, I guess, maybe there's just tons of paper, so it uses up all that paper or whatever. <laughs>
0: hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, at this point we've still got three more things to cover. So in the interest of um, pushing forward, I will ask what you would prefer to do next. Do you want to do crimes count? Do you want to do artist spotlight or do you want to do questions?
1: Uh well there's also trivia as well. But yeah, I think oh, I think I'm sorry.
0: I thought you'd covered that.
1: Uh well that no, I just covered notes. I have other like uh, trivia. Oh, I, 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 said- I tried I try to keep them separate, but yeah, we can we can do questions because we actually have some. She's no, got a little bit.
0: trivia, probably better to get that all out of the way.
1: Uh, that's true, let's do that then, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's like it's just kind of a few things. Uh, You probably already know this, but King's Squeak of Rage is performed by Dana Terrace instead of his usual voice actor, Alec Tersh. Mm-hmm. Also, just the fact that Ida calls him a tiny tea kettle makes me always think of Pikami, the VTuber, because her laugh really sounds like a tea kettle.
0: <laughs> It's unfamiliar.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that works yeah, for me. <laughs> yeah, uh Pika is like a little like Monster Girl. She usually like has like a Godzilla kind of hoodie. It's it's cute. <laughs> yeah, like whenever she laughs, it's always it sounds like a tea kettle. It's just it's just funny. Uh basically, yeah, I already mentioned how none of the palace men we see with the Bad Queen match the ones that she puts up for adoption. Uh oh yes. I mentioned this before, but there is a point. Early on, I think it was in our very first proper episode where I said there was a Wanted poster for the Dark Moon, which was a reference to Dark Souls. That's actually in this, ep- in one of these episodes. It's not actually from back then. I just remember seeing people talk about it around then because of the Storm Ruler showing up. Yeah.
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, But speaking of Dark Souls, uh, one of the curse jars from Dark Souls 2's Shaded Woods is next to Edith's soul at the beginning of episode 11. Very strange to just have that there, but it's just there. It's one of those stupid fucking jars that when you roll through it it starts cursing you and fucking up your health. <laughs> yeah. Uh we already covered like a lot of the books and stuff. Uh uh, so yeah, I only have like one voice actor here 'cause like we've kinda have met like most of the main characters besides like Belly, like Bellows, Hunter, and V at this point. But uh this is a weird one for Pinet uh goddammit Pinet voice actor, Andre Zogliuzo S-O-G-L-I-U-Z-Z-O, I have, I hope I pronounced that right. So he played Sideswipe in the second Michael Bay Transformers movie. <laughs> he also voiced Katara and Saka's dad, Hakoda? in addition to King Boomy and the Dai Li Captain in Last Airbender. (laughs) Very strange, because he doesn't sound anything like them, based on my recollection of them. He also voices, aside from miscellaneous characters in Invader Zim, he also voices Count (laughs) Fang. Again, very strange. Uh, He's various characters in Star Wars Clone Wars, including Captain Typho, Commander Cody, and Fordo, as well as... as well as, and this is one excuse me for me, for from Tales of Symphonia, who I fucking forgot who that was, he's the guy with the arm cannon who runs the human rant at the very beginning of the game. Because I was like, dang, it's been like 20 years since I played Symphonia, I super did not remember that guy's name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a very strange amount of characters this guy has played. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Oh yeah. Also, this is a very funny uh like syncing of episode releases. This episode, uh rather sense and sensibility debuted on the exact same day as Amphibia's season two finale, True Colors. And Amphibia also has an episode that references this same uh novel Sense and Sensibility because they have an episode called Swamp Insensibility. It's like, I think it's like episode five of season one, but it's just like very strange correlation here between these two series. Like,
2: it's a popular like,
1: yeah, I feel like it can't be coincidental because like I know Dana Terrace and Matt Bradley are good friends. So I feel like they might have like worked together to do that silly, like syncing up of episode titles in a sense. It's just,
0: people just like Jane Austen. <laughs>
1: I guess maybe. But it's, also, it's just very amusing to me that this debuted on the day that True Colors aired when that episode had a lot of people talking, like way <laughs> more than insensitivity. <its> <laughs> uh, also, I just have a few little things here left. Uh, King wanting a people chair is a reference to Bill Cypher's throne of frozen human agony, which fitting, considering it's addictors. Uh, Luce technically references both Tangled and Frozen when she has one of her book ideas being Lazura crying a prince back to life, which of course Rapunzel does to save Flynn, and also basically how Anna becomes unfrozen when Elsa mourns her death or is about to death. And the one other thing I have here, uh, the standee of King saying spend money on the thing I wrote is a reference to Jay Sherman's standee in the season one episode of The
0: Critic. <laughs> I am not familiar, but I'll take
1: it. I mean, it. me me neither. I'm just literally pulling uh, bits and pieces I see from like the wiki and the TP Chokes page. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very funny thing that just is in there of like, oh, yeah, weird reference. yeah, uh, uh, I guess we'll just quickly do Lucy's crimes because like we kind of already covered a lot of them already because right. like she does basically kind of steal Albert. Let's be real. <laughs> she borrows about <laughs> asking him, but then proceeds to damage him, which is also like. Feels bad to say property damage, but also I guess it's closer to animal cruelty, in a sense. <laughs> and she also endangers Willow and Gus by dragging them along into the Bat Queen's lair, so like, yeah, Luce's, uh, I, th- I feel like Luce's crime uh, quota is gonna go down for a bit up until, like, the season one finale, when she literally does a treason. But yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, she's, she's peaked early, and I feel like she kind of peters off more, but then it peaks up again.
2: But yeah, uh, I feel like we should... She's
0: not a citizen. Mm, Yeah. It's more like international terrorism.
1: A little bit. Interdimensional terrorism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess we'll uh, do questions first, because we kind of end on the artist stuff. Okay. So yeah, uh, once again, we have some questions from our friend Casey, who sent uh, questions around the time of I was a teenage abomination.
2: Casey has two questions, asking us, what funny animal would be your palisman? Funny animal, huh? Yeah, I, I feel like she kind of just more means, like, just
1: animal in general. Not necessarily, like, an animal that has to be, like, a bit strange, like the monkey that has three heads that we saw. <laughs> or or the straight-up reference to Untitled Goose Game we'll see in Hunting Palisman. Right. It's one of those is straight-up a goose with a bell in its mouth. <laughs>
0: That is, I don't know, because, like, my immediate answer is that I would want a tiger. Tigers are my favorite animal, but also a tiny tiger that sits on a staff is not exactly a funny animal.
1: (laughs) I I feel like a tiny tiger is kind of (laughs) funny. I mean, all baby animals, especially baby cats, are kind of goofy to watch because they just kind of stumble around and act all fierce when they're just small and adorable. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that'd be funny. Uh, as I've admitted in the Discord, I actually have, like, kind of thought about what my palace would be a, uh, a good chunk. And I kind of keep coming around the turtle because like, I really like the idea of the turtle, like, grabbing onto the staff of its mouth and then retracting itself into the shell to be on top of the staff. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, like, and also, it's just really funny to me to have a turtle flying me around. <laughs> Like, one of the slowest animals. Well, I guess like, I'm thinking more along the lines of tortoise in terms of, like, sm- slowest animal. But yeah, having one of those as my former transportation would be very funny to me.
0: <laughs> there was a, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a Bruce Coville book about a kid who goes to space. Like, his dad's a space ambassador. Right. And he has a uh, a tiny panda as a pet. It's, like, genetically modified, so it's only about a hand. Mm-hmm
1: oh so kind of like uh the panda from uh my uh not film My hero film *Wallace and
0: yeah kind of that yeah. is that's the animal he has as a pet but he explicitly mentions that other animals have been made to be that size just so people could have a little bit of earth with them when they go to space and i have wanted a tiny tiger so bad <laughs> <laughs> ever since i read that book
2: hmm
1: I would hope that, like, if science ever gets to that point, it's not making them be really fucked up like pugs eventually kind of became. Because, like, we kind of have, like, bred pugs to the point where they're pretty unhealthy
0: for their size yeah. and appearance. Yeah.
1: No, you're definitely
0: not wrong. That's yeah. not really That's... what the book implies. It's more of just...
2: Okay. Like,
0: a just a tiny version of the animal.
2: Right. Okay.
0: it's genetic, but it's treated more like you hit it with a shrink ray. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You you cast
1: enlarge uh, slash reduce and just always chose reduce and then got a 3.5 wizard to cast permanency on it. Right, but
2: in
0: space. Yeah. Spelljammer.
1: Yeah. God, the permanency spell in 3.5 D&D is so fucking bad. <laughs> Dumb. And you just always want to have enlarged person permanency so you have a higher class of damage on your sword? I guess. Nobody will actually acknowledge the fact that you're a large character now, I guess. Fucking dumb.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, The other question we have here is if you got some sort of Faustian bargain to get whatever you wanted published, what would it be?
2: Oh, no.
0: Okay. So it's gonna sound really dumb
2: mm-hmm. but
0: there's this series of kids books um heck where the bad kids go it's about <laughs> brother and sister who die and are sent to heck and there were supposed to be nine books in the series one for each mm-hmm. ring of heck right but they got cut off only the first six books got published because uh... the new company bought the contract and they decided they didn't want to continue it mm-hmm. so i Really want those last three books? Oh,
1: uh, yeah. That's a that's a pretty good one because it's like it's like trying to actually continue something that should have continued but got screwed over, as opposed to just something that you want to like exist based on your own idea.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, it's petty. It's certainly not a grand gesture or anything, but yes, I want these three. Yeah. Types.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: apparently I haven't really thought of this one as much as I like, did the Palisman one, but like. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is, uh, I think I've shown that uh non-binary uh, looking book that I bought. Remember the like, it's like basically just like a little like genre, like diary journal kind of thing that has like yes. non-binary colors in it. Uh, I've used that to like try to like help write down and like both like the good and bad times ever since I got it. Just like basically like kind of like a once a month thing of like if I'm feeling like real down or real happy, kind of like just jotting down stuff, and like. I'm not sure if it's something that I would ever share with anybody, but I feel like it would be like something that would be helpful for other people like us who have dealt with a lot of shit in particular with being queer and especially like, you know, our unique brand of it kind of deal. So it's like, I don't know. I I feel like it would be something that would be helpful in cases, but also I feel like it would also be, a bit of a bummer, because I sure have written stuff in there about my family at times, and how much they piss me off, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I, I, feel like it's, like, one of those things that's, like, you know, like, count, I don't equate it to, like, you know, the, the freaking, uh, oh boy, why am I drawing a blank on the girl in the attic doing Nazi Germany <laughs> crap, yeah, and frank, like, I don't mean to equate it to that, but I feel like it's, like, one of those things that's, like, very reflective of the times in a sense because it's like you I mean definitely have written about like you know feelings of like hopelessness during COVID times at in that book at times at my lowest and it's like it helps to write down stuff like that i feel just to be able to like reflect upon it and also just to get it out of me at times so like i don't know that's that's kind of the only thing i can really think of because like I mean, I've, I've had ideas of maybe trying to be a writer at some point, but, like, I really just can't sit down and focus on writing stuff, because, I mean, like, I, I I found that I can actually be pretty decent at, like, trying to tell stories at times, like, especially when, like, in my tabletop group, with, like, getting really, like, I used to have real struggle with actually, like, role playing, to the point where my friends used to joke that I role play, that being R-O-L-L, to just be like,
0: should be an all noble trying to publish something that helps somebody and I just want three books about that.
1: <laughs> well to be fair, I couldn't really think of anything off the top of my head because like I said, like I didn't really like look at that question much <laughs> when it got sent like I was, like because I, I thought of the Palestine one ahead of time just in case if it had come up because also I just have a lot of time at work and do nothing and it's like me just looking up into like o house fan art a lot of time at work and being like, I don't know, what would my palman <laughs> be if I was in the boiling Isles? Also, what would happen if, like, a weird door to a different dimension appeared before me? Would I jump in? It's like, hmm, considering the way the Earth is, probably. Boiling Alice has no queerphobia, so it's kind of a no-brainer, in a sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, as long as you can get food. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. (laughs) Did I ever tell you that I've actually written a novel? (laughs) No, I don't think so. Yeah, I uh, my undergrad degree was in creative writing, and so I had to, for a thesis, write a full novel to graduate. Dang! How long did that have to be? Um, there wasn't like a minimum set, but mm-hmm. shoot for three hundred pages.
1: Jeez, because I know like like I mean, there's novellas, obviously, which those that go to like around like one hundred or one fifty or so. Like, I was yeah. kind of thinking, like, along that, but if you're aiming for, like, twice that or three times that, it's like, wow, that's a lot to write.
0: Uh, it had to be a full-length novel. I had a, this was a three-hour credit just to meet with my advisor and write this. Jeez.
2: <laughs> and yeah,
0: no, I've never done anything with it because it's back when I still thought I was straight, and it is very obvious uh...
2: in the writing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, again,
1: like to not to go back to D and D or uh, tabletop games as much, but it's like very much like when I was like playing a homosexual wizard compared to now, where it's like I play a non-binary like lesbian character,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, <laughs> or or like how my Druid turned out to be bi in the end, and definitely smoothed the lady a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh. Yeah, haven't done anything like that. I never even had to write a thesis for my major. The longest paper I ever wrote for my college was like six pages. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like I got off a bit easy.
0: Most undergrads don't require theses. It's Mm -hmm. usually just for um, some masters and PhDs, but like...
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah, because this one was specifically about writing, they had me do it.
1: Yeah. I also admit I was also not the greatest student. Yeah, in college. <laughs>
2: got, a two point,
1: got a 2.81 GPA. Definitely had some classes that uh, had like C-minuses and that kind of tanked my grade point average a bit. They
0: <laughs> Cs get degrees. Yep, they sure do. <laughs> and if I'm anything to judge by, Cs get you into a master's program. <laughs> hey,
1: well, can't complain about that. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I only got the artist left and then I think we're done here sure thing what you got uh so this week i'm gonna plug uh antler dragon whose handle is just antler underscore dragon i know that he has an alt that is without the underscore which i think is his furry guard account the name or sorry i I shouldn't i don't know uh pronounce actually they did not list them sorry apologies antler dragon for the very rare chance you listen to this uh yeah They were recently, I mean, I followed them for a while, but they really recently got a lot of attention because they did a piece on Yesterday's Lie, which even Dana remarked on and shared a lot. So, yeah, they've been getting a lot of attention just for a while now, but even more so since then. They've done some pretty, really good artwork. Like, they did a spoof of uh, the Easy Breezy intro of, insert anime title here, I'm forgetting. What's the one where the kids want to make an anime?
2: Um, uh is, Aizokin?
1: Yeah, I think it's like Azoken and say I think it's how it's pronounced. Where it's uh Luz Ida and King doing the poses that they do from that intro. Uh they did a very good joke recently that I've shared with you, I think, of Ghost being very jealous of Luz where it's just Ghost sitting on Luz uh during while Luz is asleep just glaring Come at her because like in the bed with Luce as well. <laughs> <laughs> They also did another very good goof recently of, you know that thing where you can do, like, your hand in, like, a finger gun pose and your pet will put their head on it? Mm-hmm. They did that where King does that with Luce, but then Hootie like, immediately also does it where he boots King out of the way to put his head there. <laughs> and then the, the bonus co- uh, comic is also Amity getting jealous and doing it basically like dropping an elbow onto Hootie. Like, it's just her descending from off panel, like about to hit Ludi- Hootie with her eyes glowing. <laughs> it's it's just a very good visual gag of like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, Amity would definitely do that, especially the Hootie. <laughs> uh... Yeah, there, there's like, uh, this is a lot of really good ones like that. I'm trying to scroll to see if there's any more that I can think of. Uh, they definitely did like uh, fan art of them in their like winter outfits that Dana had done, like with like Amity and like the biker jacket kind of look. And like just a lot of other little ones involving ghosts where there's like one where Luce is holding ghost as she and ghosts are laying down across Amity's books while Amity's just thinking that they're both cute. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff like that. A lot of them just like, you know, hanging out. That's like I'm like being back to hugging and stuff, or like Hootie trying to make people join the Lumini Coven and they're being them being embarrassed about it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of just again, like usual, very nice and cheesy, heartwarming fan art.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Um yep. We should probably wrap up, though, because once again, this is our longest episode ever. Oh, oh God,
2: yeah.
1: Somehow we went... Well, admittedly, we went for, like, 40 minutes at the beginning. So it's like, dang, we went longer than the episode that had 50% more episodes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, uh, hey,
1: I I feel like we're only going to get even longer from here on out, because, like, we have a pretty big one next week, and then the week after... Well, actually, I guess less so, because, like... uh really small problems is pretty small but that one we have understanding willow in and then we we will probably most likely go for like at least three hours between grom and wing like witches
0: <laughs> i sincerely hope we don't because i'm afraid people won't listen to it but we'll see what <laughs>
1: this happens. is fair but like dang our scheduling is like god we have both of those and i had to like pick between which one of those episodes i have is the silly picture for the tweets <laughs> ah like i'm pretty sure that picture just is me even ruffing like how dare our schedule make me pick between the two very queer episodes
0: (laughs) but uh yeah um for now though i guess there's nothing left to say but uh remember us weirdos have to stick together hang on we didn't plug the the twitter oh you're right nor ourselves i don't care about plugging the twitter it's late (laughs)
1: fair it is almost midnight at least it's my last day at work it doesn't matter
0: but yes okay fine we'll plug the twitter um, if you want to send us questions you can find us at, us at us weirdos cast on twitter you can tell it's late because I just said up ass weirdos cast <laughs> No, we, we also started uh, a bit weirdos later. Cast on Twitter and usweirdoscast at gmail.com.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Quill usually puts a post up about uh, what episode we're going to be covering to send questions to. So,
2: you know, yeah. be on the lookout.
1: One day, maybe that email will be used. <laughs> it's kind of been sitting there empty, but whatever. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like most podcasts that I think do take questions is take them through Twitter anyway.
0: You're probably right, but it's better to have options just in case. Yeah. besides we can use it for tax scams
1: <laughs> we make zero money off of this we, we're losing money on this
0: for hosting <laughs> significantly yes um, in the meantime you can find me at patch underscore jackets on twitter where I have actually been a lot more active lately because it turns out I'm super bored without a job <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like that's gonna be me over on uh, at mirror underscore Quill, considering that again after tomorrow I'm also gonna do it on the job for a bit. <laughs> I've already done some interviews. I hope that something pops up because like I I could start working on like the 21st, like a week after I move, honestly speaking.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough.
1: Yeah, finding a new job uh, is always a bit annoying because it's kind of on the whims of people to actually ever contact you back about it. <laughs>
0: okay but okay. for real this time though <laughs> yes remember us weirdos <laughs> have to sleep together. together
1: and go the fuck to sleep
0: yes we do bye, bye. <laughs>